Good morning. It is good to be with you, and uh, thank you so much, worship team, for leading us so well. And I believe those words are so, so fitting that Jesus is our living hope. And so let's, uh, let's bow our hearts uh, one more time for a word of prayer. God, as we've gathered and as we've uh, uh, sung these songs and worshiped to you, uh, we've declared that you are our hope. And we believe that, we acknowledge it, we embrace it. And we thank you for what you are doing um, in our midst and what you want to continue to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, today, as uh, Maria already said, we are in the last part of our series. But before we get started, I do feel I need to just address one small little thing that some of you have been asking me about, and that is, what's with my eye? Um, I have a little bit of a black eye, and all I will say is I wish I had a very heroic story, um, you know, where I fought off multiple people, and I won, and if you think I look bad, you should see them. I can't say any of those things. All I can say is don't get my wife mad. Um, that's, <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. Um, no, I just had a minor surgery, so it's no, no biggie. It's just very irritating at the moment. So if you see me winking at you, it's not you, buddy. Promise. I'm just winking um, to try to uh, clear it out a little bit. But um, as I said, we are wrapping up the series today on humility. And uh, we started in week one looking at the humility of Jesus. And we looked a little bit at the verse that was just read um, where Jesus came and and where Paul talks about how Jesus did not, you know, try to pull, we've used this language before here, where he just, he didn't play the God card when he was on earth. You know, every time something bad happened to him, he didn't pull out this thing and said, hey, I'm God, by the way, um, let me sit there. You know, he didn't do any of that. As a matter of fact, he humbled himself to the point of death, and we'll look at that a little bit more today. Week two, last Sunday, we looked at what Jesus taught on. He actually taught quite a bit on this topic of humility. He didn't always use the word humility or humble, but he often alluded to this topic of humility. And I trust that as you have wrestled with this, you've understood and you're understanding more and more the importance of humility in our lives. This is something that must be on display in our lives. It must be something that we strive after. We've said throughout the series that Jesus modeled humility and he taught humility and so therefore as Jesus followers um, humility needs to be evident in us and so at the same time I've been informing you that I wasn't too sure about what the last sermon should be on but let's for a moment talk today then about what humility looks like in us thank you for praying some of you have sent me things and I've appreciated that and all of those things I think have guided um, the, where we're landing today. And so I want to just talk to us today about humility in action. Uh, humility is not something that we want to just treat as a theory. Humility is not just something that we want to treat as a concept. Humility we want to allow to be active in our lives. It's something that we want people to see. We want to talk about it in the same sense that we might talk about love and we might talk about mercy and we might talk about a multitude of other things. People don't want to know that we love them. They want to experience our love. It's a big difference between saying I love you and actually loving 
someone. And the same should be true with humility. Humility must, be, must become part of our daily lives. And I wonder sometimes if God looks at humility the same way as he does some of these other things that we've talked about in the past. For example, love. I wonder if God views humility in a similar way. Look at what it says in 1 John 4.20. Get your Bibles out. We're going to dance around in these Bibles quite a bit today. Look at multiple passages. It should be in your Bible app. It will be on the screen. But I want you to look at these verses together with me. But if you look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, look at what it says here. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. That's about as... Direct as you can be, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen, and he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Now I get it, I get it. Some of you are saying that that verse is about love, not humility. But let's make a couple of important observations from this passage about love, and maybe it applies to the topic of humility. First, is it possible for us to love without humility? We talked about this last week. Is it even possible for you to love someone without humility? I would venture to say, if at the very least, it would be extremely difficult. Why would you ever love someone, or why would you ever express love to anyone if you saw yourself as better than them? But what I want us to see in this verse is that according to this verse, our love for God is measured by our love for people. Our love for God is measured by our love for people in the day-to-day -day of our lives. Our love for God is delusional unless we, it is proven by our love for people. If someone would say, I love God and has absolutely no love for people, Paul says, I mean, um, John says here that that's not possible. That you're a liar. You're, you're delusioned. You cannot love God if you do not love other people. Now, where I land is that I think this is similar to humility. We cannot live in humility before God if, if it does not exist in our lives towards other people. Andrew Murray, a guy I've been using a lot um, because his book has helped me so much through this topic, he says this, Humility towards men will be the only sufficient proof that our humility before God is real. That humility has taken up it, its abode in us and become our very nature that we actually, like Christ, have made ourselves of no reputation. When we humble ourselves before God, we need to make sure that it's not just a posture that we take for a period of time or something that we do when we think of God or something that we do when we pray. Rather, our humility is to be at the heart of how we approach God. It is also then to be manifested in our approach to people. See, if the only time we humble ourselves before God is when we pray, that's the only time we bow our heads. But in our hearts, we haven't really ever humbled ourselves to God, we use the posture of humility when we pray or when we, when we think of God. But the rest of our lives, we live as if though we're in charge. It's going to definitely also then, you know, show itself in how we treat and view other people. So what if our humility, think about this. 
What if our humility is most evident not when we are before God, but when we approach people? What if our humility is not most evident when we are before God, but it is most evident in our approach to people? How we approach people. Part of our daily lives. The way we live, the things we do, the way we conduct ourselves. What if that is a true display of whether or not we are a humble people? It's much more difficult, I believe, to be humble with people than it is with God. It is in those moments when we are most unguarded, in our most unguarded moment, that we will truly be able to see whether humility resides in us. To know a person, to know if a person is humble, you must only observe them in the common course of their lives. And this is what God sees on a daily basis. He doesn't see us only when we are at our best. He sees us at all times. Now in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, so you can turn there already, Paul outlines what love is to look like from Christians, especially amongst themselves. What love is to look like among the church, among fellow, fellow believers. Humility is a key part of these verses. Now at times, he even calls it outright. He speaks to it outright. And it's not something that he just wants us to do at certain times. This is what love is to look like, this is what humility, to, is to, humility is to look like and is expected of Jesus' followers. So let me read you. This is a um, rather long section of verses here. But I want you to listen to what Paul says about, um, about love, but also how humility is in the midst of this whole thing. Romans chapter 12, verses 9. It says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of lower position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Imagine for a moment, imagine for a moment, if this is how we lived every day towards people. If this was our conduct, if this guided our conduct and how we lived or what we looked like on a daily basis. Paul says, honor one another 
above yourselves. Now here's a question that we are going to need to wrestle with. How do you do that? How do you honor someone above yourself when, let's just say it, they're not on the same level as you? Think about it. How do you honor someone at work who isn't as good natural gifts you have? How do you honor someone above yourself when you're better than them at something? So here's the thing. We're going to wrestle with that, and we're going we're to find ourselves facing those challenges, and instead of pretending those questions aren't going to come up, let's just address them. But here's the reality, and here's what I don't want you to miss. The fact that we have to wrestle with those questions already exposes a reality that is in our lives. And the reality is this, that we struggle to first look past ourselves, and this will have to change. The very fact that each one of us here is going to have to wrestle with, well, what do I do? How do I honor someone above myself when I know I'm better at them is already an indication for you and I that humility is something we will struggle with because we cannot look past ourselves as we should, and this will have to change. Now remember, in week one, we said that humility is not self-degradation. We may at times feel, you know, the sense of false humility. And, and, and a lot of people struggle with false humility. It's, it's something that they, you know, oh, they make themselves out to be nothing. And they degrade themselves. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, someone does an amazing job. I'm like, oh, it was nothing. And, you know, and, and often that's actually more of, of pride than humility. But then there's also those, and maybe there's some of you in the room today. There is also self-loathing. You don't like yourself. Like you genuinely don't like yourself. There are things about you that you don't like. There are things about you that not only do you wish you could change, but you, you speak down on yourself. You, you treat yourself with disrespect. You don't, you don't love yourself. That, folks, is not humility. Neither of these will help us honor others above ourselves. So to quote Andrew Murray again, he says, true humility comes when, in light of God, we have seen ourselves to be nothing, have con consented to part with and cast away self to let God be all. See, there's these two things today that I want you to understand. That if you're running yourself down to make other people good, don't do that. It doesn't help. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help them. Or if you're in a place today where you actually just genuinely do not like who you are, I want to encourage you today to see that God made you the way you are. And that God has a plan for you. And that what we want to do is we want to look beyond what we see and see what God sees. That God has a vision and a plan for our lives that God created us with, whether we have brokenness in our lives or whether we are, have certain things that we don't like. God made us. And our job is not to make ourselves less than He has made us to be. Our job is to view ourselves through the lens of God. 
then when it comes to honoring others, we will have that same view of them. Humility in action means that every humble person looks upon another person from the lowest to the highest and honors them as an image bearer of God. A humble person sees every person, including themselves, through the lens that God created that person. Therefore, it is not about making oneself better than others or lower than others, but it's rather about allowing God to always be greater in everything, with everyone. That no matter who you are standing before, that you recognize God made that person, God is greater, and God made that person in God's image just in the same way that I was made in God's image. That must be the lens through which we look at people and ourselves. Therefore, the humble person feels no jealousy or envy. They can praise God even when, they are not, when others are preferred or acknowledged over them. They humble, a humble person can handle others being praised even when they are forgotten because they understand that God does not overlook them or others. They are willing to be nothing because they know who they are in Christ. No earthly recognition can measure to what we will receive and have received in Christ. So here's the sad reality, though. Many Christians, you and I included, strive after that which we can gain here on this earth, often at the expense of others, all the while forgetting what is in store for us in heaven. This is where that verse came in that we've been reading a few times. Jesus did the exact opposite. Remember this verse? Philippians 2, verse 8. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So here's a sad and difficult and yet a reality that we need to face. Humility must lead to death to self. This will be how we prove just how holy we have given ourselves up to God. We talk very often of take up your cross daily and follow me. That is a call to death to self. Jesus could have lived his life you know, as he did and, and healed people and we would be impressed by all the good things he did and, and he could have, you know, um, fed people and all those things. He touched, you know, people that were outcast and all those beautiful things that, that Jesus did. He could have done all those things but they would not have the same meaning as they do now because of what came at the end of his ministry. Now when we look at how Jesus loved the least... We look at it through the lens of him being willing to die to self. See, Jesus was not only willing to humble himself when it was easy or when there was no price attached to his humility. Jesus expressed humility completely. He literally gave his life. And that part that he gave everything, his whole self, is what makes those miracles that come before it so much more meaningful. Again, Andrew Murray. Here's a caution, a warning he gives us. 
He says, oh, beware of the mistakes so many make, who would fain be humble, but are afraid to be too humble. They have so many qualifications and limitations, so many reasonings and questionings as to what true humility is to be and to do, that they never unreservedly yield themselves to it. Be aware of this. See, if we want to be like Christ, we must be willing to die to self. It is in death to self that humility is perfected. This is humility in action. When we are only willing to go a certain way or a certain distance or, or only humble ourselves in certain areas or around certain people, that is the opposite of what Jesus was willing to do. In 2 Second, um, Corinthians chapter 12, Paul speaks of his own experience. Now some believe that he shared this because throughout Paul's entire ministry, there were people that called his apostleship into question. And they would often dispute and say he was not really an apostle. And so Paul writes this and he, and he claims, you know, he shares with them the visions that he had received and the revelation that he had received from Jesus. So Paul wants to set the record straight. And Paul has, says he has been given reasons to boast. So I want to read to us the first ten verses of this chapter. Listen to how humility shines through even those areas where he boasts. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to, on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heavens. He's speaking about himself. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, not so no one will think more of me than is war warranted by what I do or say, or because of those surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses." in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I, then I am strong. Now there is a lot that we could speak about from these verses. 
The first thing I find amazing, and I'm sure you caught this as well, is how Paul did not make maximum capacity out of his experience. Could you imagine if you would have had that experience of actually seeing Jesus, being given revelations and visions from Jesus, as Paul did on his way to Damascus. You would want to say, hey, 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 let me tell you what I saw. Let me, and what Paul does not do that. Instead, he only gives the bare facts and only for the purpose of meeting the criteria of his opponents, that he is an apostle. And instead of dwelling on those visions from Christ, he directs people's attention towards his weaknesses. Paul's saying, it's not that I was chosen to have these revelations that I want you to see. What I want you to see is that God is using my weaknesses to accomplish His will. Paul is clear that he could boast. And if he boasted, he would be telling the truth. And however, he desires not for people to reflect on those things that happened 14 years ago, but rather he wants them to see who he is now. A man who has humbled himself under the presence of God to be used by God however God chooses. Paul explains that in order for him to not become conceited, he was given this thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment him. Now much has been said about this thorn in the flesh and it's often used whenever someone goes through something. It's like, well, that's maybe God's given you a thorn in the flesh. And we're not going to unpack what this thorn in the flesh is here today. But let's just recognize three things that we know for sure that it is. Number one, it was something that was given to Paul. Secondly, it was a messenger of Satan, meaning it was demonic. And third, Paul did not want it. Three times Paul pleaded for God to take it away. What was God's response? Not I'm punishing you, Paul. Not I don't like you, Paul. Not you're of no use to me, Paul. Rather, God's response is, Paul, I want you to see that my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So even someone like Paul was reminded daily, constantly by this thorn in the side that he needed to die to self. That all that mattered was complete surrender to God. It is in the humbling of self that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Pride hinders God's power in us. And Paul recognized this. It was when Paul understood, truly understood, how God would use and could use his weaknesses, not his amazing revelations, not his amazing visions that all of us would want so desperately. It was Paul recognizing it wasn't those things that God could and would use. It was his weaknesses. And when he recognized this, this is when he says, and I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, he says, for Christ's sake, not his, I will delight 
in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I believe this mindset that Paul had, this is what humility in action looks like. This is at the heart of humility. So humility in action in each one of us could be summed up this way. God, display your power in my weakness. God, display your power in my weakness. There you go. If you need another breath prayer, that could be your breath prayer. God, display your weakness, your power in my weakness. It is important that we consider how we see our weaknesses. Do you see and do you recognize and do you acknowledge that your weaknesses are something God could use for his glory? I'm not talking about being lazy. I'm not talking about bad habits. I'm not talking about bad behavior. Rather, think about your weakness, the thing that you struggle with, your weakness. Have you surrendered that to God? Have you surrendered them to God? Are you willing to humble yourself to the point where we will allow God to show his power in those areas where we are weak? Or are we too proud to have our weaknesses put on display? See, every Christian will go through this process in their pursuit of humility. There is fear that may cause them to flee and seek deliverance from that which could humble them. They are unwilling to truly allow themselves to be humbled at any cost. They have accepted that they are to be humble. They strive to be humble and find that they fail miserably. They pray for humility. At times they may even pray in earnest for humility. But here's the catch. Secretly in their hearts, they pray more earnestly. Not in words but in wishing, in wishing in their hearts that secretly they would not be humbled. So in words, we would say, God, humble me. But in our hearts, we wish all the more that God would not humble us. We love the idea of being humbled, but do not want to be humbled. May this be, maybe this is why so many of us refused or were quick to dismiss this prayer, God, make me a humble person. Because it isn't what we truly want, and I understand that. Paul had learned that the highest lesson a believer could learn was humility. He had learned to trust God in his weakness and saw his weaknesses now as something to boast in because God's power would be most evident in his weaknesses. So church, believers, let us learn to trust God to do the same in us. Some of you and some of myself, we have hidden away our weaknesses Again, I'm not referring here to sin or behavior. I'm, I'm talking here about the things that you are weak at, the things you are no good at. We've hidden them away. We hide them because we don't want to be embarrassed. 
or we don't want to look like a fool. We don't want anybody to see. Paul's approach was different. He was willing to boast all the more gladly about his weaknesses. Why? Not because he was irresponsible. Not because he didn't care. No, rather so that Christ's power could rest on him. Some of us are so afraid of our weaknesses being exposed that we would not want them to be exposed even for the glory of God. Because we do not want to look like a fool. This is pride. And it must be removed. The need to protect our image, our reputation, our comfort, those are going to be challenges that each one of us will face. What if our greatest expression of humility is giving our weaknesses over to be used by God? So in conclusion, I want to ask us that we would consider obeying the commands in Scripture. Luke chapter, 11, chapter 14, verse 11. For all those who exalted themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. James 4.10 Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. 1 Peter 5.6 Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and th that he may lift you up in due time. In order for us to conquer pride, we will need to do two things. First, we will do, have to do, first, do what God's part, sorry, I'm messing up my notes here. We will need to do two things. First, do what God says our part is. We will need to humble ourselves. Second, trust him to do his work. He will exalt us. To conquer pride in our lives will require us doing our part, humbling ourselves, but at the same time, trusting that God will exalt us. Jesus is proof of these words in Scripture. He humbled himself before God, and God exalted him to the highest place. So my prayer is that we would live in humility that we would strive after it with great urgency. And by doing so, we would bring glory to God and may God's power be on display in our weaknesses. Amen. Let's pray. God, I pray that today, as we leave here, that we would carefully consider whether we are willing to truly live in humility with one another. That we are willing to surrender our weaknesses to you. That we are willing to allow you to use us in areas where we feel weak. And that we would allow you to use us in those areas because we know it would bring glory to you. So Lord, as we wrap up this series, I pray that each one of us would depart from here truly wrestling with whether we have humbled ourselves before you and before one another. And if we would find that we have not, that we would then do so. 
I thank you for what you will do. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.